Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. We live in the golden age of athleticism. Everywhere around the world, sports people are getting faster, stronger, more explosive. They're recovering from injuries quicker. One of the primary reasons for this is the rapidly advancing field of sports science. Welcome to Secrets of Sports Science, a podcast series into the exciting and ever-changing world of elite sporting performance. I'm your host Rudranil Sengupta and each week I'll be talking to leading experts from the field to bring you a peek into the makings of a modern athlete. You know, I'm wondering if you're the kind of person who's addicted to running, who laces up and heads out no matter what the conditions are outside. whether it's a light drizzle which is of course always welcome or it's a heavy downpour and you you'll still get out you'll still get completely soaked and waddle through pools of water but you're going to get your morning run in or maybe it's 45 degrees outside it's the heat wave like we had uh, just a few days ago but you'll still be running and or it could be the cold months it's cold and it's polluted and and some doctors advise you not to go out to exercise but that doesn't stop you well if you are that person you should meet my guest today dr rajat chohan who's exactly like you and he's been running for 37 years and more and nothing stops him dr chohan is a sports exercise medicine and musculoskeletal medicine doctor Um he's the founding head of the sports and exercise medicine department at Manipal Hospital in Bangalore. Um he also set up uh, the sports and exercise department at Ashoka University. He's the author of multiple books. Uh, one of them is The Pain Handbook. Uh his latest is called Movement Medicine: Your Journey to Peak Health, uh, which is co-written with Dr. Darren Player. But what I know him best for is as the founder and the host of the craziest ultra marathon in India. It's called La Ultra the High and it has been held in Ladakh since 2010 um it's one of the highest uh, you know marathon venues in the world um and, and and the lowest distance that you could register for is 55 kilometers and the highest distance is 555 kilometers that is one hell of a run and so i wanted dr chauhan to talk about running in different conditions especially running in the heat which if you're in india face it that's mostly what you're doing uh for most of the year so how do you keep yourself safe when you run in the heat how do you keep yourself healthy and most importantly how do you ensure that you don't get dehydrated we're going to cover all of that and more over the next half an hour doc uh, thank you so much for uh, joining me on secrets of sports science uh, i'm i'm really excited to have you here thanks for the neil thanks for having me um so i i know that it's you've been running even though it's uh, you know we've we've gone through a very serious heat wave um, a month or so back and now it's very high humidity and heat uh, which gives us something called a wet bulb temperature which is which is quite difficult for the body to handle um how how do you do this how do you run through thick or thin through rain or hail or winter or summer i think the most important thing is all of us start comparing to the other without understanding what's gone into it how long has it been yeah. so i've been running 37 38 years all kind of conditions right uh snow yeah. hot cold you know yeah. and uh, 
snowstorm and whatever else, sandstorm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. Now, that acclimatization is a very important part. Most mm-hmm. people just jump in saying, oh, it's been two months and I can't run. Yeah, because it's only been two months of doing it. Right, of uh, course. So that is the most important part, acclimatizing, adapting over all those decades and years. Right, how much experience you've had, yeah. how much you've run, how, yeah. mu- how much mileage you've clocked uh, over those years. Under different conditions. Under different conditions. Um, but let's say I'm, I'm, I'm not an entirely a beginner runner, but, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been running for, let's say, four or five months and um, I'm just getting into the stride of it and my body is adapting a little and I'm feeling good about doing, my, let's say, 5K or 6K every day. Um, and then the heat wave is upon me. Is it advisable that I stop or do I decrease my mileage? Uh, how do I handle the, the fact that it's suddenly become... 40 degrees, 42 degrees, 45 degrees some, day, some days. Um, what do I do to adapt to that? So people who are beginning, who've been at it for a while, yeah. it's advisable to be smart about it rather than just saying a complete stop mm. because most could have just started. So yeah. to tell them yet again, hey, listen, stop. Mm. And that's a big issue because they've had too many stops. Mm. And then how do they get started? Because it's a lot of psychology game that's on. Right. So we then need to figure when is a good time to do it? So weather uh, conditions are a lot better. So like like today morning or yesterday, yes, it's very humid. Mm. But uh, at early morning, like at a five, now you're kind of, you know, trying to work between temperature mm. and humidity. Mm-hmm. So humidity will be higher in the morning. Okay. But the temperature, the sun exposure will be a lot lesser. So it's a trade-off. Mm. And uh, effectively saying, listen, could 7, 7.30 be your cutoff? to have done your activities. Mm. And the other thing would be lower intensity. Don't do at the same, not even intensity, speed. Mm. So if you were running at five minutes per kilometer or six minutes, whatever that speed be, it can't be the same two months ago, three months ago versus today. Mm. Right? So with the same speed, Mm. you're putting in more exertion, effort is a lot more and the toll on the body is a lot more. So I think that needs to be done rather than a simple question about is it a yes or a no. Right. I think people need to understand these things, like, you know, how right. much effort. Because consistency is so important for anything, especially for physical activity. And you really don't want to uh, put, like, gaps in that. And and one of the things that people, I think, don't understand and that you just pointed out is that you can change your intensity, you can change the amount of time you're doing something, um, but maybe just keep doing it. Even if you don't want to, okay, fine, I can't do a 10K today, but I might as well do three kilometers, you know, and it's better than ha- having nothing under the belt. Uh, I remember one um, uh, ex- a, a person, a sports scientist I was talking to who said, you know, uh, and I was, we were talking about uh, reputations and sets. And he said, uh, do you know the, uh, the minimum effective number of repetitions you need to do? I said, what? He said, it's one. He said, at, at least do one. You know, don't do zero. Um, and, and that's the same thing with Buddhist monks saying, talking about meditation practice. They say, if, if you've got a minute that you have done, one minute of meditation that day, you've still done it. And, and that's important, right? That's a very important one that you break up. Mm-hmm. So the race that I put together in Ladakh, yeah. you know, we've been doing it for last, since 2010. Right. Uh, we just did in April our 11th edition because two didn't happen because of COVID. Right. Now, we started off with 222 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And for first few years, it was like an event put together by Indians, but for the foreigners. Right. Bad reputation to have, you know, <laughs> because it was never meant for that. It was meant for Indians you, as well. You didn't and have too many Indian runners coming yeah, up. Yeah. Zero for the first few years. Yeah. And then they started coming. Yeah. So 222 became a 333. Mm. 
it also did become a 111 mm. which got entries in for the indians mm. and then we had a 555 courtesy the reducing it mm. we had a one indian finisher for 555 right right so sometimes those steps have to be lowered rather than just increased right uh, i think we have those you know the goals and the targets are a bit too far so to your point a 0 to 1 is a lot more difficult mm. you utter the right words and someone who does extreme stuff mm. and you know what they will do it mm. but who's been on zero mm. tries and goes back to zero again and again they need a lot more everything right for them and you know right. if you keep breaking the right. discipline mm. now the weather's bad and no covid is there and no whatever mm. they'll just never get, get off i mean it'll be a right. good excuse here i tried right. but i can't anymore zero to one is yeah. the game changer right absolutely um so 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 that's the, that's the first part of it is that stick to the routine no matter what it is the conditions are the conditions you know you 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 should do do your routine um and listen to your body maybe be a little comfortable and do a little less but keep doing it so and then from here we'll jump off to the the geeky part of the conversation which is that if you have decided that you're going to keep doing it what are the things that you should be looking out for when you are running in very hot conditions in very humid and hot conditions like like we have at the moment um what are some of, what are some of the things that you should be looking out for i'll i'll begin by asking you this and i hear this all the time people say listen to your body i think it's very hard um as a phrase it it seems to have make perfect sense but when i think about it i, I actually don't know what it means how do i listen to my body what is it that uh, i'm listening for um because sometimes it seems to me oh okay my ankle is a little you know hurting a little bit oh i shouldn't run today that's not listen to the body but that's what it means to me so can you tell me what it is yeah this listen to your body uh, so what's happened courtesy the social media especially last 2 3 years more than yeah before a lot of quotes are thrown left right and center right <laughs> some very very good quotes so yeah. don't get me wrong i mean those quotes are beautiful yeah. but we treat them like absolute yeah i mean even to say never tell lies it's too much of an absolute it depends <laughs> right well of course right so so same thing so what's happening is too many of such quotes come along and hence one of these quotes being you know listen to your body listen to your body right? yeah now that's too much of an absolute yeah uh, what does that mean because listen to your body means don't get off the bed <laughs> you know that's the first one yeah, yeah. that's true actually yes yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the first one right my my, my body tells me stay there <laughs> exactly now now then saying that 0 to 1 has to happen mm. i need to get moving mm. now once you clear that barrier mm. so that whole thing about listen to your body and don't move we taken care of that which is a big one by the way mm. then it's about how much mm. okay and when not to and when to and you know with all the right intentions mm. and yet wanting to mm. now you need to be smart about what is the goal is the goal just doing it today and never again mm. i see that left right and center people have these aches and pains mm. and they want to do a particular race so they'll come to me like a month before or 15 days before and saying i want to do this race mm. and uh, if i were to just say listen to your body they'll not know any better mm. and then listening to the mind more than the body right uh, the ego is involved and all that mm. and my simple question always is do you want to take a little break now do you want to slow down a bit now mm. and you know want to be running forever till you die kind of thing right. so once is thrown at them like that mm. they get where i'm going with this mm. so this is very important like you know we need to understand the context mm. of listen to your body is it going to hurt you mm. okay is it a little long term plan that you have mm. are you sensible enough for it are you a little mature and it's 
Nothing to do with age, by the way. Hmm. Uh, and has nothing to do with where you got in, you know, your professional life either. Hmm. So it's about being mature, doing an activity. Right. So that becomes very important. Listen to the body. See, are you comfortable doing it? Hmm. Does it feel right? Hmm. You might not want to do too much right now because the repercussions could be bad. And where the listen to your body comes very important is, or what is very important factor of it is, I think everyone deserves to get injured once. <laughs> to appreciate it more. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah, what does that word. mean? Till you don't see this, <laughs> this reason. Because we all think we are immortal mm. till we actually die. Mm. So we all think we won't get hurt. Or, or put another way, we all have a plan till we get punched in the yes, face. Yes, yes. Mike Tyson, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so it's important that when that happens, we start appreciating more. Mm. Otherwise, prevention never sells. Right. Right. Um, okay. So... So now that we are out and we are out in the heat, one of the one of the big things that we are obviously trying to avoid is dehydration. And um, again, I, I I don't think that people really understand what dehydration means. Everybody knows that oh, dehydration is when you've not had enough water and your and your piss is very uh, is is deep yellow, you know. And 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 okay, that's dehydration. But that's not all that it is. You know, there's there's a lot more to dehydration. Is uh, dehydration has a very serious connection with your body's essential functions. You can get to a point of dehydration from where there is no coming back. Right, so it's it's very very critical. Um, so can you explain to me a little bit what is dehydration? So there's dehydration, there there's overhydration, and I'll just throw in a few terms because yes, people sure. need to know yeah. and then we'll how serious yeah yeah how yeah. serious they can get. Yeah. So there's water related, as I said, dehydration. There's overhydration. Uh, there's someone who I really look up to, Professor Timothy Noakes. He mm. talks about you know drink to your thirst. So mm. he talks about how we've overloaded ourselves with water. Mm. So we need to understand which is more serious. Mm. Then is heat exhaustion, right. you know, very closely connected. Mm. And then is the ultimate, which we really should be worried about. You know, mm. we should address it properly, heat stroke. It's true. Okay. So, you know, those are four terms. We need to really know what's going on with them. So coming to dehydration. Okay. Now, and that thing again, what Tim Nook says. Mm. So let me put it out there. I mean, his best example that I like. When you put a dog out in the heat mm. and you put water in front of that dog, the dog will drink to thirst and will stop when the dog is not thirsty or mm. hot anymore. Mm. They'll stop. Right. And they'll start again. Yeah. Right? And you being in love with dogs so much, I mean, yeah. you know that part. Yeah, right? exactly. So almost always that ball will not be empty. Mm. Once they're done, they're done. They're done. Yeah. Now, that's not the same with human beings. Right. You know, going back to that quote from uh, Gandhi, mm. uh, you know, there's enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed right. on planet Earth, right? right? Something on those lines, right. there's a quote. Yeah. Uh, humans are like that. Mm. In races, uh, you know, we pay our registration fees, 1,500, mm. 2,000, whatever it is. Mm. And uh, there are water stations every two kilometers. Okay. And we try justifying the money we paid by picking up that 10 rupee water bottle right. and drinking at every aid station. Okay. And we overdrink. Okay. Right? So, but it comes from that human psyche mm. of... We're trying to just justify the money we've spent and all. Right. Right. So, but, but what does it, what, how does it affect us if you have drunk a lot of water? So, one is, again, going to dehydration. So, the fear is of dehydration. Right. Or they are justifying, I paid money, hence I need to. Yeah. Now, what you're doing is when you take in too much water, yeah. that is more dangerous because it's hitting on the kidney. It's failing the kidney. Kidney failure could be there. Okay. And there's edema around the kidney. Okay. And there can be edema swelling of the brain. Okay. And there can be sudden death courtesy that. There are more reported cases 
of overhydration than mm. dehydration okay. in the running world. Oh, right. right? Uh, a sudden death. Right. The system just shuts. Right. Uh, and again, the problem is with overhydration and uh, dehydration. When you immediately get to the you know the doctors and all that, they're confused. They don't know any better because the symptoms are very similar. Because at the end of the day, is, is it is it because you have lost electrolytes through both both pathways leads to loss of electrolytes? Precisely that. Precisely right. that. So dehydration, what it does, dehydration, one again, listen to your body kind of a thing or mm. drink to thirst, is a little tricky. So as much as a lot of respect to you know for Professor Noakes, mm. uh, but the point is, if you're doing more than sixty minutes, mm. if you're doing high intensity. Drink to thirst is not working anymore. You need to have a plan. Right. The second part is your experience. Your experience of having been in those conditions repeatedly is very, very crucial because you're far more sorted once you've done that. You know what to right. do in a particular condition. Right? Yeah. Uh, most people don't. Yeah. Uh, they have a very different plan for the race versus in training. In training, it's nothing. Yeah. Right. Now, the point is replicate hmm. your race over and over and over again. Mm. So if you're planning for your even your first marathon, mm. whatever, first race, 10K, whatever it be, do it in training six times over and do literally everything, including what time will you go to bed, what time will you get up, mm. uh, how much water or food will you have the day before, and you know, try doing it as the race would be. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest mistake people make. Mm. Uh, again, talking about dehydration, if you drink to thirst, by the time you feel thirsty, you already are in dehydration, okay. in hot conditions, in extreme intensity stuff if you've done. If you're in a race condition, after one and a half hours or so, if you haven't had water and you feel thirsty now, you're already getting into dehydration phase. Right. 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 It's kind of too late. So because it's a little too late. Okay. Yeah. It's going to start hurting. So what's going to happen is with dehydration... You'll start... Okay, so you're running in the heat. Right. You'll start so sweating. Let's, let's, let's ask you that. What, what is actually happening to the body when you're yeah. getting yeah. dehydrated? So when you're running... There's all kinds of things are happening. Yeah. Your, your uh, blood is not... Uh, it yeah. has become thicker and it's, it, your heart is pumping harder just to get that. So all of that. So let's get, let's get into that. Yeah. So you're running in the heat. Yeah. And uh, what's going to happen is your body is saying, listen, we are working harder, so we need more energy. Right. And for that, or oxygen. Hmm. We need more oxygen at a cellular level for those functions to happen. Right. Now, what you automatically do is you start hyperventilating. Of course you do when you're starting to run. Hmm. And if you haven't acclimatized well, hmm. that'll happen sooner than later. Hmm. So if you haven't trained and acclimatized well, you'll start hyperventilating. Hmm. Absolutely. Now, hyperventilating is connected to the heart. So primary thing is the breath. Primary thing is not the heart. Hmm. Everyone's going, going after the heart first. Hmm. Because breathing will take oxygen to the heart. Mm. through the bloodstream okay right now if you're not controlling your breathing mm. right and if you haven't acclimatized now your heart is going to be pumping so it's inefficient pumping that's going on so it's hyper you know the heart rate is increasing as well right now the blood is flowing very fast mm. your heart uh, your uh, blood pressure is increasing mm. and rather than the organs now the blood is starting to go to the skin so you're getting hot okay and you are starting to sweat. Right. Now, up till this point, it's all good. Okay. This is normal reaction. Right. Now, this is where it starts turning on its head. Okay. Now, what starts happening is your heart rate, as I was saying, is increasing. It's becoming inefficient now. So, initially, it's, it's coping well. Okay. 
Now it's starting to fail effectively. It's saying, yeah, I want to pump, not enough oxygen is coming, it's inefficient breathing. Right. And I'm not going to, not able to actually take it forward. Right. Your BP should be high, but it's not. It's actually falling down now. Oh. Your wow. blood, yeah. So your blood pressure is low. Your BP, your heart rate is higher. It's high, okay. And you're losing the, you know, the whole sweating right. is getting lesser. Heat generation is higher. Heat given out by the body is lesser. Okay. Earlier, we were sweating more. Right. Heat generation was lesser. Now, that was a good condition. Right. But when the generation is more of heat, okay. and you're not able to sweat out enough, you're in trouble. Mm. So what you needed for that, mm. so let's go back a little. What you needed to do was pre-cool yourself. Mm. And uh, what we talk about is, hey, listen, you know, 300 to 500 ml uh, uh, water that you've had yeah. in the two, three hours before, sip, sip, sips, rather than gulping it down. Okay. Right. Uh, very, very important that you do that. Um, jackets, ice jackets that you put on, mm. uh, wetting your head with cold water, icy water, your back, your mm. chest, that kind of a thing. So your T-shirt being wet. These are very important things to be going into that. Uh, in, in for your run and if you don't what happens so that's important to know like you know what happens mm. um, you can have neurological issues mm. being angry is a very early symptom mm. that uh, we have because of starting to get into heat stroke heat exhaustion kind okay. of a thing okay right. and people miss out on it mm. so when you're being very irritable uh, and it's very unnatural you. Right. Right. I mean, some of us are just generally high type A personalities, but yeah. you know, some cool guy is angry for no reason. Uh -huh. Listen, we are getting to that zone, which is not okay. Uh -huh. Right. And uh, we need to take care of that. One very simple one. There's a recent study which picks up uh, your temperature, but also at the same time, how's your walk? So if you're not controlled walk and you're walking zigzag all, the, all over the place, mm. it's kind of hinting neurologically you're not doing very well. Mm. Right. Uh, and these are all effects of dehydration. These are all effects of the whole heat coming into play. Right. Dehydration being one part of it. Right. Uh, dehydration is a very important role it plays into the whole heat stroke. Right. So what is heat stroke? Yeah. So first is heat exhaustion. Right. Heat exhaustion is basically just too hot. You're running in a particular condition. And now you're not able to carry on. Hmm. Exhausted. So I mean, it's a, it's a giveaway right there in the name itself. So you're not able to carry on with that activity anymore. Now that's... That's a safe-ish zone. It's not safe, but it's safe-ish zone. Mm. But you're not because you're able to stop. Yeah. Yes. So if you stop, it's okay. Mm. But the point is, if the temperature is rising higher and higher, like 42.5 degrees Celsius is what you talk about, mm. is a danger zone beyond that. Mm. Uh, it should not be as high as that at all. Mm. Okay. Now, what can start happening is you can have multi-organ failure. Mm. Okay. If you don't fix that, if you don't identify and fix from 40.5 40 degrees Celsius within half an hour, right. your chances of death are very high. Right. Right. So your, your medical team or you knowing this is very crucial. Hmm. There's a reported percentage incidence of this is as high as 5%. When you say 40.5, 42.5, you're talking about the... the, the body temperature. temperature body, temp body temperature. Okay. okay. And the tricky part with this is it has to be measured not we are not talking skin temperature we are talking about core temperature okay so there needs to be a thermo thermometer up your backside okay uh, so rectal body temperature rectal and it's tricky yeah but uh. Uh, at the surface it'll be lesser because mm. of sweating or the water you put right so it's a core temperature that you're talking about okay 
right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's very important. Forty point five, you cross it more than half an hour, your chances of death seriously very high. Mm. So we need to really really identify and fix it. Right. And the beauty of it is this is this is one of the one of the top three sudden deaths that happen with extreme sports okay. in extreme conditions is actually courtesy extreme heat exhaustion right. uh, stroke. Heat stroke, extreme heat stroke, yeah. right? So the beauty of this one is it is a simple one to treat right. versus others where you need to rush them to ICUs right away. Yeah. This one is no on the site. You just uh, dump You need to, yeah, cool them down. Cool them down yeah. right away. Yeah. Can be done, you know, you and I, if you're going for a morning run, during the summers, for the four months, five months that are in mm. India, mm. anywhere I would say, mm. uh, there needs to be an icebox in every car. Right. I have it. Okay. Uh, so it's not really that tricky. Yeah. And uh, all your waters, uh, you know, should bottles and all that should be chilled. Uh, which is, is funny because there's like a, this like sort of a belief in, in India, at least that I've, I've faced a lot, uh, is that, oh, you don't drink a very cold stuff when it's very hot outside. Don't wet your head when it's hot outside. That seems to be very wrong. strange advice. <laughs> totally wrong. Because yeah. what you're doing is you're starting, and that's why I said about the three hours that I was saying, please start taking in fluids. So it's from before. What you're doing, you're starting with, so there's dehydration. Here we're talking the other extreme. We're saying there's neutral. And we're saying let's almost overhydrate. Mm. So you're starting from that position of having a little bit more mm. than is needed to begin with. Right. You're starting from there. Now that's about the water. Yeah. What we're talking about the cold is in addition to that, saying that water, if it's cold, it's even better. Mm. If you're putting on your head, if you're having the ice jacket or whatever. See, the Tokyo Olympics right. changed the whole approach to this, as in like, you know, it came to limelight a lot more because those were the Olympics that were supposed to be in the worst conditions, heat-wise. Yeah, exactly. Very right. hot, very humid. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of research had mm. gone into it, mm. coming with the protocols and guidelines and all that and looking at previous studies and all. Correct. So... Not that studies weren't done earlier, but it's just that this time Olympics was coming on heavily saying, listen, we need to sort this out. Yeah. Races were changed, you know, the times were changed. Correct. Yeah. You know? Now, Doha had happened in 2019, the World Championships. Right. So there was yes. a lot of learning from it. Mm. And as a blessing in disguise that postponing the Olympics by a year, mm. we had two years to do all that in Great. between. Yeah. And uh, even going back uh, 2008, this particular example is from 2008, there was a Marine Corps, Corps Marathon. Mm. And there were two cases treated very differently. Right. Extreme heat stroke. One chap, Marine, right? Mm. So both guys are Marines. Yes. Uh, one chap, he finished the race, mm. you know, fell over, right. temperature recorded for him. Mm. And uh, it was 41 point something degrees Celsius, right. 41.1 or 2, right? right? Extremely Again, just high. To, just to remind people, that's the body's core temperature. It's, yeah. it's a rectal temperature. It's not yeah. skin temperature. Mm. Thermometer right? up It's not backside. the regular thermometer that people use. It's right. not that. Right. So it's a very important point uh, that you bring here, Rodriguez, right. because you need to have a medical setup. Yeah. Because doctors to are that. trained to mm. do this. Mm. They have an area to do that, mm. right? Which is norm normally not the case. And which marathon in India have you seen? Right. Which is potentially even looking like it might do this. Right. right. So... Our teams need to know that on ground, mm. that this can happen. Race organizers need to know, you know, how serious it can get very quickly. So this guy kind of tumbled, stumbled over and, you know, he was taken to the medical tent and, you know, it was done right away. Right. Within 20 minutes, from his 41.1 or 2 it was, and, you know, it was brought down to 39 something. And within three hours, four hours, he was actually let, let, let go. Like, you know, he was all clear for everything. All, all right. Okay. 
and uh, within three to four weeks, he was back at running all that. Mm. So running at eight, nine kilometers per hour, mm. you know, some seven, eight kilometers, that yeah. kind of things. He was already on. Yeah. There was another guy, just two, three kilometers short. Mm. So this is 2008 that you're talking about. Yes. Just three kilometers short of the finish line, collapses, similar core co- uh, co- temperature, so rectal uh, mm. temperature uh, when it was taken. Yeah. Similar, 40 41.1, 41.2 kind right. of a temperature. They did not take him to the finish line for whatever reason it be. Hmm. Maybe it was, you know, too many runners on the route or whatever it was. Hmm. They took him to a hospital. Okay. Now, by the time his temperature was taken, it was already 70 or 80 minutes after he had collapsed. Oh, okay. And uh, it was yet a 42-ish, I think, 42.2 right. degrees right. Celsius or so. In, during that, of course, there was a cold towel put on him and stuff like that, but never immersed yes, in the right. the whole tub, ice right. tub or whatever. Right. And uh, he almost, he did have, uh, you know, multiple organ failure. There was a talk about in four days they were planning to shift him to a different hospital hmm. for liver transplant. Wow. So things had got seriously, you know, like crazy. Wow. That earlier guy I spoke about, he went back to you know, his regular army stuff, whatever mm. duties he had to do. This guy had to give up all of it. Wow. And it took him three to four months to get back to life again, you know, regular things that he was doing. Mm. That's how serious it can be. Mm. And just that simple thing about within the 30 minutes, fixing it, mm. putting that cold water over your head, your chest, your back, right. immersing yourself, not, not practical, right? I mean, you know, when you go for your morning run, where do you find the tub to jump into? You can't, yeah. Yeah, but, mm. but the point really is that point you raised earlier about putting water over your head, yeah. having that cap that is cold, yeah. right, and putting water over it, or each time pouring some water and wearing it again. Right. Uh, lifesavers. Fanning. So when we're coming from, so we finished our run, imagine. Hmm. We've run in very extreme hot conditions. We don't realize how bad we are. Maybe hmm. are, I'm okay driving, but you probably are ex- experiencing this, right. the, you know, the high temperatures and all. Maybe you're not talking to me, maybe, maybe you're irritable. In the car, put on the fan. Right. And the fan on high. Mm. The temperature may be a little lower, but it's very important. The fanning is very important. Right. So that the sweat cools quicker. That's right. So in, in conditions where, uh, which are done in extreme conditions, like, you know, in the deserts, for example, mm. when races are done, the fanning is a very important part. Mm. So it's not the temperature alone that mm. you're talking about. Mm. Uh, so that becomes very important as well. So always have that. Maybe put down the you know, glasses down and right. the fan on full. So you said that you know if you are if you are um, uh, thirsty then you're already dehydrated. Um, <clears throat> but what are some of the other ways in which you can find out that you that you have possibly you are dehydrated or let's say you're going out for a run and uh, you know you want to know whether what what the hydration status of your body is? Is there a way to know it? I know that there's something called the pinch test. Is is that reliable? Mm-hmm. Is, is because, you know, when you're doing that, uh, the way your skin well, but is... But what is it? What is the pinch test? So, basically what you're doing is, you're looking at the give of the skin. Okay. How it is. And uh, that tells you, because again, it's related to your sweating. Right. So, if there's a little bit more of the movement that is there with the skin. Right. Uh, that's what it would be. Right. And uh, the point so, is... So, you can take in any part of the body, any skin, anywhere, and you pinch it a little and you see whether it goes back into its normal state. If it does, then you are okay. And if the skin fold stays a little folded or takes time to go down, then you are dehydrated. Is that right? So, what I would say about it is, 
if you're not trained for it, mm. it seems like a very simple thing. And that's the problem with, you know, most medical things that we talk about. Right. Uh, most people would not know what normal is. Right. So to say that, you know, will it have wrinkles? Will it not have wrinkles? Has it gone back? What are we comparing it to? Right. Right. Because, yeah, it seems wrinkled enough to me right now when I'm totally mm. hydrated. Yes. So, so it's a little tricky that way. Like, who does it? Huh. Uh, but of course, what I was trying to say then was, <coughs> you're losing the capacity to sweat. Mm. That's dangerous. Mm. This is connected to the whole pinch test, mm. saying, you know, you've done that and it somehow doesn't just go down very quickly. Mm. So it's losing that whole hydration at a lower, you know, like at a skin level. Right. That's mm. there. The blood supply mm. is com- compens- you know, compromised on. Right. So that's what it's associated with, which is further associated with the blood volume in the body. Right. So it goes back to that. Yeah. So yes, it is. How reliable? I'm, I don't... With all due respect to everyone, you know, the problem is when we leave it out there mm. in midair and saying, you know, is everyone good enough to kind of do that? No, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. So the be- better option is just to take certain precautionary measures, like you said, like, you know, start drinking little sips of water two hours before you're done, three hours before you're done. Make sure your body is cool. Make sure you have uh, enough water when you're running. Um, you, 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 can, you can cool yourself down by putting water in your head or chest. Uh, making your t-shirt wet these are all very good ways to very good things to do very, t-shirts so always wear clothes which are not stopping air or sweat right you know so basically right. those breathable uh, right. whatever those materials be whatever brands they be yeah. but they need to be breathable material yeah. because if they're stopping that because some people would run for example with a raincoat in you know like in monsoon yeah uh, not good. Yeah. Yes, it's stopping you from uh, the rain, right? uh. but the point is, it's not letting that whole air go in and out, right. or the sweat go out. Right. Right. So that's a tricky one. It's leading to the whole, you know, heat exhaustion and stroke mm-hmm. and dehydration even sooner, right. because you're losing the capacity to sweat out. Mm. Right. It's stopping it. Mm-hmm. So we need to be careful about that. Uh, I would say even acclimatizing and adaptation. So saying whatever conditions those are, you should have done them multiple times mm. to become comfortable with how to address them. We are generally smart mm. as a species. Uh, we dumb ourselves down too much, but the point is, uh, if we keep practicing, we'll know what to do. Right. And I think rather than all the science out there, you know, like um, what Tim Noakes talks about a lot, is about saying, where is common sense gone? Mm. Right? All are different. Uh, why do we all the time need guidelines? Mm. Because guidelines are actually very wrong because the kind of water intake that the ACSM used to talk about and the, you know, the American Army used to talk about was excessive. Right. The okay. drink to thirst came from there for him. Okay. Seeing what happened to common sense. Right. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's good that you bring that up, uh, excessive water and, and we're talking about dehydration as well. It's because, like, like we said some time back, that both of them lead to a loss of electrolytes in the body and I wanted to talk about that next and that is a, again a very critical part of dehydration is the fact that your body is has lost electrolytes um, and so what do electrolytes do in the body and why are they essential and, and what can you do to kind of address that uh, part of it so electrolytes when you admit it to a hospital the very first thing doctors do in ICU yeah. is have a look at your electrolytes mm. you know what are your electrolyte levels your sodiums and everything else yeah. Uh, so that is very important at a cellular level to stay right. alive, right. the right amount. You know, why do we, why do we not swim, say in the sea, ocean versus the river kind of a thing? You know, where's fresh water where there isn't because it changes. It can kill cells at a cellular level. Forget about the rest, mm. right? 
So your electrolytes will become very important because it starts changing things very quickly in the blood. Okay. Forget about you know the cells and all that. So they are very very crucial. Overhydration is an issue because it causes that electrolyte imbalance. It's too little. Mm. And again, one argument always is when you sweat and you see the white, is it that you already had excess electrolytes that right. they're just coming out? Uh, like salt crystals. Or that's right, right? It all becomes all white. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the thing. So electrolytes are very, very important, but at the same time... A balanced level of... Balanced level is very crucial, yes, yeah. because some people are taking too much in. You know, right. tablets and tablets of salts. Right. I mean, is that needed? Right. Uh, it'll come with practice. So, so it's too, too much salt intake, for example, also leads to dehydration. Too much sodium. It's leading very, to dehydration. Very salty food. You'll, it'll lead to dehydration. It'll of course lead but to But on the other hand, dehydration is a loss of salts as well. So yeah. <laughs> it's a very peculiar yes. and tricky um, thing here. Yeah. No, but, but the thing that you raised earlier about listen to the body, once you've tried, tested, failed a few times... Hmm start appreciating what that means yeah. uh, so you know once you've been experimenting with different things you'll start figuring out what is working better for you yeah so I, and I know that lots of different kinds of electrolyte uh, uh, supplements are available right now in the market you can buy all these little things you can chew on and all of that um, I've always basically stuck to ORS which is oral dehydration solution you can get little sashes of it which is a little bit of glucose and some uh, all the essential salts in it it works very well for me <clears throat> but one thing i found out which was very peculiar um, is that uh, is that if i have become dehydrated for whatever reason um, just drinking one sachet of ors mixed with water uh, on that day is not enough i have to do it like for the next two or three days consistently before i start feeling like oh i'm feeling normal i'm not feeling over exhausted or tired so it takes a bit of time once you've got the idea. There are a lot of things at play again. So yeah. again, let's just start what yeah. we said earlier. Yeah. So a oh, bit of water before it helps. Yes. It is very, very uh, specific. To me, it's a little different versus whoever else. Mm. I don't. I drink very little before the run. Okay. Uh, but there are people who do 500 mLs and all that stuff. And it's okay. You need to figure your system. Oh. So rather than guidelines, guidelines, I don't like guidelines too much because of that. Uh, or rules. Mm. Uh, you need to figure what works for you. So that's a very important. So let's talk like in terms of framework instead of guidelines. Yeah. 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 So the two, three hours before, drink water. Mm. Drink some of it. Yeah. 200, 300 ml water, have it. In sips. Mm. Don't gulp it down all of it. Right. During, I like, again, let me put something out there in the very beginning about uh, one point that Tim Noakes has, saying people are overhydrating, pushed by the companies that do this, make like some brands out there mm. and they are pushing studies which are saying things like you know how far the aid station should be water station and I totally agree with them having said that we're talking extreme heat we need to be careful and we're talking about most people who will not do the whole adaption that we said will not do the training that we I would want them to you know the three mm. months and six months and all and they don't anyways do enough hydration right. and they do very different in training and versus the race right. most people 80-90% people don't so the common sense part is a little rare to find. Mm. So we're addressing that part. Mm. Okay. So it becomes very important that we have a combination between electrolytes and water. Right. Every two kilometers, there's electrolytes mm. and water that you alternate with. You have sips rather than gallons. Mm. So sips, sips, sips uh, of electrolytes and then you do water. Electrolytes and water. Um, once you've done that, you never go into the zone of the dehydration part. Okay. And keep drinking to... Th 
So I'm combining the two now. Right. I'm saying you keep having it in sips only as much as seems like, hey, listen, it's okay. Uh, there are studies and what I practice. If I'm not thirsty, I would take in the water or electrolytes, put it in the mouth for a while, for like a five, ten seconds, almost like gargle if it were, mm. and then spit it out whenever I can. Mm. Now, what has been shown is the message that goes to the brain is saying, hey, listen, I've, you consumed water or electrolytes. Mm. Mouth plays a very important part. The mucosa around the mouth. So some of the electrolytes will get absorbed and... and but it's in the message in any case, yeah. even if it doesn't go into the bloodstream, the message goes to the nerves, th- through the nerves to the brain saying we've had enough. Okay. Right? So it's a very interesting one. Look at elite, you know, Olympics, marathons and all. Yeah. A lot of people do that. Yeah. Right? A lot of them just sip yeah. in, yeah. spit it out. Oh. And it works wonderfully well. Okay. Right? So again, it's demand and supply, whatever you want. Oh. Right? So you're never going to an area of a kilo, an hour or so without any water. So you're not going into that dehydration space. Okay. And as I said, keep alternating between plain water and electrolytes. Mm. Energy requirements, again, big argument about should we, should we not, carbohydrates versus fat, mm. natural versus chemical. Mm. It's okay. I mean, whichever way. I mean, uh, for an average guy, I would it's say... It's a different question altogether. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. It's a different question. Most people mix it. Mm. Uh, I would say take it, if in doubt, take it. Right. Uh, because if you aren't trained for it, if you haven't experimented en- enough with it, mm. I, would, I would say take it. Mm. Uh, because then you're going yeah, to your energy own. bar even. Yeah. yeah your energy jar, bars your gels uh-huh. whatever else homemade okay. or not yes. so chemical or not and all kinds available today vegan or not and all that yeah. now after the run proteins that you take become a very important part to recover as well right what happens is people are treating dehydration or any of these things in isolation mm. all of these things and then the meal and okay. then the rest and recovery that you do you will be a lot more fresher if you've taken care of your hydration, electrolytes, energy, protein requirements mm. and rested a little if you had to, had to sleep, if you lay down. You will be fresh in half an hour after the run. Mm. Okay. If you put in a lot of effort, intensity, exertion, all that, maybe two hours, three hours, you're good to go again. Mm. So this whole thing about you'll be dehydrated for you know, the three days after and all that depends on how has this whole planning been. Right. You could do very well. I mean... Now it seems like a, you know, everyone's doing all this, but way back in 2004, I was running back-to-back marathons. Right. Uh, I couldn't have thought about that till this thing came along, and there were eight marathons back-to-back that I had to run from Paris to London and all that. Okay. Uh, and as I said, back then, people didn't do all this stuff. Right. Right. It's only now that yeah. this is common stuff now. Mm. But the body is beautiful. Mm. If you give it that opportunity to one train, mm. second is as a mind game, if you have decided I have to do back-to-back such activities, okay. you deal with it differently versus say, here is a standalone 10K. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the way your mind, forget about the body, the way the mind plays with it is very different. Yeah. So the mindset is very different and it helps. Uh, one more part that we're totally missing in this. Mm. One very, very, very big important for heat stroke, exertional heat stroke mm. uh, or dehydration is peer pressure the coaches involved and your own, you know, motivations and expectations from yourself. In a certain condition, you're expecting yourself from yourself to be doing what you were probably doing in winters. Right, right, right. So if it was a 4.30 pace... And you get like angry and stuff. You're like, I'm not doing what the hell. Yeah, and you're pushing harder. Yeah. (laughs) And you're pushing harder. So you're making it, it's a vicious cycle. So you yourself have put yourself in a situation where you're expecting your results to be the same as a race probably in the winters right. or the perfect conditions right. uh, while you're running in peak heat. Yeah. 
with very hot and humid conditions that brings us back to common sense use your common sense don't expect very there so hence we need to come up with guidelines and you know like some protocols yeah. saying imagine everyone is not going to listen to you but yeah. 10% only will listen to yourself and all that but yeah, yeah, yeah. 80 90 we have to give them that the whole yeah. guideline business and all that stuff absolutely uh, but that's how it works right so it's it this thing let, let me get like personal with this like the way I, because I, i told you how it feel, feels to me sometimes when i get dehydrated um so what's the and i said that i drink like a, a liter of uh, ors uh, one sachet of ors in a liter of water and then i'll keep drinking it and i do it like over two or three days before i i feel myself fully recovered um so one of the things is that uh, the symptoms i feel for dehydration one is that firstly i feel very hot on my on the surface of my skin it feels like oh it's it's even worse than what it is usually and second thing is i feel a kind of lethargy it's like everything hurts it's a very unique thing that that happens only from dehydration for me is that everything hurts it's not just one part of the body or one thing it's like oh my god i'm so slow and hurting and i know then the moment that happens i know oh i'm dehydrated um uh, so what are some of the signs and what's the best way of dealing with this just on your own if you're not like i'm not talking about a race situation i'm not talking about a medical tent I'm just talking general normal everyday life so i think electrolyte is a good one to begin with like electrolyte and cold uh, so see the thing is almost always in such conditions the temperature part the hyperthermia yes and uh, the dehydration lack of water are going hand in hand uh-huh. so we need to take care of the cold because again going to your point about that whole indian bed should you take a hot shower or a cold shower should you not put water over your head you know all those we need to there's a particular temperature range yeah. which is ideal yeah. you know which is desirable uh 38.0 degrees celsius 38.5 yeah. uh maybe 39 that's it right right after so, that put water on your head yes <laughs> just Now I'm Cold saying water. yes, and there's a situation here. As much as we're talking about the core temperature yeah. and uh, the way we are saying it's measured is rectal thermometer. I mean, when was the last time you or I or whoever yes. has got a you know thermometer put up our backside? Yeah, no, that's impractical. Not. Yeah, almost right. I'm saying if there's a doubt, there is no doubt. Yes, if there's a doubt, there is no doubt. Just, exactly. Just cool yourself yes. down. Yes, and and if if you have any doubts about. the efficacy or the safety of of putting cold water on your head or uh, or wetting yourself like that uh, you know when when you are getting heated up just look at you know your favorite sport look at what uh, footballers are doing on the sideline when the when it's hot and you know and and you see them doing exactly this they're just putting water over their body just look at runners marathon runners um, in any tournament that's what they're doing so and and remember these are people who are at the you know at the top of their field they're surrounded by med doctors they're surrounded by the best people in the business telling them what to do and they are doing this which means that it is the thing to do it's safe uh when fever happens hmm. you know as children what were we getting all the time cold uh, compress cold yeah. towel around our yeah. foreheads right exactly uh, that was the logic bring down the temperature bring yeah. down the temperature yeah, yeah, yeah. so very important that temperature messes it up hmm. you know that range isn't very wide we cross the 40 let's keep it very simple over 40 danger zone mm. uh we need to bring it down very quick right okay. so so do that hydrate 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 yeah. uh it's totally fine one thing about hydration i'll always say whether electrolytes or plain water one prefer electrolytes yeah. cold yeah. don't do it in gulps yeah. sip sip sips okay. so don't do like 
a liter at a go. Why is that? Why, what, what, what's the difference? Uh, it's rushing into the system a little quick. I would always want lesser because you can take the pee break. It's right. loading the kidneys to mm. begin with. Okay. And that whole thing about what we spoke about earlier saying it's leading to uh, hyponatremia, so overhydration, hyponatremia, encephalopathy, you right. know. Uh, all so, don't, so, so based mostly it is so that you don't overload your kidneys. Uh, and secondly, it is to... Electrolyte imbalance quickly as well. Yeah. So it, it tends to do that as well. Especially plain water, never, never been mm. the whole lot. Okay. Because in culture, in our culture, there's a lot of talk about drink two liters before this and, you know, mm. after that and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Issues with that. Um, yeah. Sometimes you forget the context and we just do what's being said right. without understanding why or how. Yeah. I mean, if, even if that is right in the first place. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. But it's always better to drink small sips over over a long period of time. It probably helps with absorption as well, right? Not easy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you, you raised that very well. So, while we run, hmm. why we say not too much to a certain extent, there's a limit how much our gut can hmm. take in. Yeah. Now, that changes with how extreme the effort is. So, if more high intensity, hmm. the absorption is a little slower. Hmm. At an optimal level, we can take in a little bit, little bit more. Mm. So that's why it becomes very important that we just don't put in too much in there either, because mm. then it's splashing all over the place also. Mm. Uh, so absorption changes with it. Of course it does. Right, right. Wonderful. I think this is all that we have time for today, Doc. And uh, and I hope uh, uh, if, if you're listening in, um, that you've got something very useful uh, from our session today, and and that uh, you'll be consistent and you'll go out for your run, but also. A little safer and a little bit more hydrated than usual. Thank awesome. you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Thanks. This was an episode of Secrets of Sports Science. I'll be back next week with a new guest. Until then, if you have any questions, you can write to me at rudranil at gmail.com. That's R-U-D-R-A-N-E-I-L at gmail.com. For the latest updates on this podcast, do like and follow at HD Smartcast on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.